Hello, this is Alex Granado, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today, I'm sitting with Shirley Prince. She is the Executive Director of the North Carolina Principals and Assistant Principals Association. And uh, with the short session starting last week, I thought I would sit down with her and delve into uh, some issues surrounding principals. Shirley, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Alex. And um, let's start with principal pay. A lot happened with principal pay last session. Can you just kind of recap for people where we are? Sure. Um, Our General Assembly uh, needs to be commended for the effort that they made last year to infuse um, quite a bit of funding into the principal pay plan. That had been um, uh, in response to some studies that had been done and some national rankings that had been communicated to them about how principal pay had slipped to 50th in the nation. For years, principal pay was connected to the teacher salary schedule. So it's not surprising with the teacher salary schedule being low in the national ranking uh, that when the principal pay was disconnected from the teacher salary schedule, then the principal slipped even lower. And so we were trying to rectify that. And uh, quite a bit of funding, as I said, was infused into the pay plan. The pay plan is drastically different than than what we have been used to. Uh, It's a combination of uh, a guaranteed salary and then uh, two categories that allow for uh, variable salary, differentiated salary. And uh, then there's also some bonuses on top of that. And every, all of those uh, variable factors are based on student performance. We believe that, although we are very grateful for the amount of, of uh, funding and the attention that principal pay has received, we believe that any time you have a transition of this magnitude, that there are improvements that can be made uh, based on some unintended consequences and some things that reveal themselves. And so we have recommended a variety of uh, uh, ideas and, and solutions for improving the pay plan. And so it's early in the session, not a lot's happened yet, so it's hard to say exactly what is going to happen with principal pay. But there has been a bill that's been filed in the Senate. Um, Right now it's just been referred to the Rules Committee, and uh, we haven't really had discussion or or even a presentation of it. Um, But can you tell us about this bill? Does it um, address some of the things you're talking about? Yes, it does address some of the things. Uh, Most significantly, it addresses the hold harmless issue. Uh, A lot of our principals are having to be held harmless because their 16, 17 salary was higher uh, than what they would have been earning on this new pay plan. And, and it was their state salary plus their longevity, which was eliminated in the new pay plan. So the, um, the Senate bill, 718, is uh, addressing that hold harmless issue and extending it for one more year. Another issue that is being addressed in the Senate bill is the concern that we all had about the reluctance of principals who have really proven themselves at a school being willing to go to a struggling school to turn that school around uh, because of the 
the the way so much of their salary is wrapped up in uh, performance pay. And so the new bill actually addresses that to some degree so that if you are a principal who has uh, been identified as exceeding growth, in other words, you're being paid at that level, you can go to another school that is meets the category of low performing, struggling, that sort of thing, and you can be assured that your salary will remain at that exceeds level for a certain period of time. I believe it's three years. And so beyond that, what are you expecting to see with principal pay this session? Have you gotten any um, glimpses from uh, legislators about what they might be thinking? Um, I, th- I do believe that the hold harmless issue will be addressed. I do. And, and of course, I, I, I've heard positive things about the Senate bill plan, uh, that it has a very good likelihood of, of getting uh, passed. Um, we are hoping that something will be done to increase the base salary significantly because right now we think that the, the major, major flaw in the new pay plan is that the guaranteed portion of the salary, the base salary, which is the guaranteed portion, is too low in comparison to the amount of funding that is going into the, the two columns that are variable and, and, and dependent on um, how a few teachers might be doing on their student growth. And, and so we worry about that because we believe that too much of a principal's salary is really up in the air uh, and that a principal really doesn't know from year to year if they are going to have uh, a stable enough income and enough income to really take care financially of their commitments to their families, that sort of thing. So we think that the number one thing that needs to happen is a significant amount of funding put into the guaranteed portion of the salary. And as we all know, there is a budget surplus, so there is money that could potentially be added to that. Uh, That is what we're hearing, Alex. And um, also, I think uh, there are a couple of factors that that really will support this increase in the base salary. Number one, even with the amount of funding that was infused into the principal pay plan, the principal pay will still be very low nationally when it's ranked. And it could very well be uh, one of, like in the southeastern states, it still could be dead last. And so I think that that's a good reason to do that. Another good reason that we need to do this is that right now, 44% of our principals are being paid on either a teacher or an assistant principal salary. That does very little to incentivize a strong teacher or a strong assistant principal to take on the very challenging, demanding role of principal, highly accountable role. And and we think that's a major problem. And also, if 
the teacher salary schedule is improved significantly, which we're hearing it will be, and it's it's welcome, welcome news. Um, then we will that percentage of forty four percent will increase even more. So we we really think we have a, a major problem with the base salary being too low, too much of the funding wrapped up in the performance pay. Um, I think I'd like I'd like to just um, elaborate on that a little bit. Can Can I ask you sure. just really quick? In case people don't know, you mentioned the problem that people being principals being paid on the assistant principal and teacher salary schedule. Can you just give them a quick refresher sure. on why that is sure. happening? Sure. Uh, a few years ago, when the teacher salary schedule was disconnected from the principal salary schedule, we prepared. Uh, of our, uh, charts that showed all the places on the principal salary schedule where a principal with the same amount of experience was making less than he or she would make as a teacher with that same amount of experience. And because that was brought to light, the General Assembly instituted a, uh, a, a statute that said basically no principal will make less per month than he or she would as a teacher or as an assistant principal. But we're still talking about make less than. So that's still the same salary that they would make as a, as a teacher or an assistant principal, you know, plus the added responsibility, stress, challenge, accountability, all of that. And so you mentioned wanting to expound some more on, on performance pay? Yes, um, I think it's important to note that uh, the the performance pay that makes up such a large part of a principal salary is really determined, in many cases, by just a handful of teachers at a school. Um, not every teacher's performance factors into the EVOS formula. So you could have... Uh, a teacher who all of a sudden in the middle of the year goes on maternity leave unexpectedly or some kind of situation out of the control of the principal that really creates a situation where a principal's salary might slip from exceeds growth to just met growth or even worse to met growth, I mean to not met. And that creates a a very precarious situation and it's very unpredictable in a lot of situations and I don't know that people have really thought about it in those terms that you really only have in many cases a handful of, of a small percentage in all cases it's a small percentage of your teachers that are carrying the EVOS growth uh, performance and it can be very unpredictable. And so another issue I wanted to touch on was principal preparation. Um, there was some movement in the General Assembly in regards to that um, in, in recent years. So uh, let's start by having you kind of tell people where we're at with that. Okay, sure. So uh, we have just, we're, we're approaching completing the first two years of the Transforming Principal Preparation Program. And we have been um, uh, supporting six programs with the dollars that were appropriated. 
And these six programs have produced, or will produce by June 30th, which is just next month, 120 graduates. What's so exciting about this, Alex, is these are individuals that were selected based on very rigorous criteria, and they have been nurtured and prepared with, um, you know, following all of the research-based practices that, that lead to or have been shown to lead to really effective principles, preparation. And so we're excited that 120 of these individuals will be infused into the, the um, principal pipeline. Already, quite a few of them have been hired uh, because superintendents, uh, they are recognizing the value of these individuals. In, in most cases, they have tapped these individuals based on their uh, effective teaching performance, their, uh, the, their perceived ability to lead adults. And some of these individuals, most of them are really strong teacher leaders already. And so superintendents are, are just scoffing them up. And this, we believe, will, will really be a great investment in, in, our, in our state because every year we will have more and more principles that we can say that, you know, we've really invested in these individuals and we feel confident that they are the right people to lead our schools. And so this program's starting to have a track record. So there's something to say, hey, look what we're doing. Do you think that there's going to be movement with that, showing legislators, hey, look how well this program's doing. Let's expand it. Yeah, I think I think that we will probably see, if there is expansion, I think it'll probably be in the long session. I am not predicting that there will be an expansion in the short session. Uh, we are just now getting these people out into the pipeline, will be looking at their placement levels, where they're being placed, how they're performing in their first year, and all of that. And then we will have data that we will be able to share with the General Assembly. And I predict that we'll see an expansion in the long session. Okay. Well, Shirley, thank you so much for talking with me. You're certainly welcome. Thank you, Alex. We've been talking with Shirley Prince. She's the Executive Director of the North Carolina Principal and Assistant Principals Association. And I'm Alex Granados, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>